Welcome to the I Work For Him podcast. I'm Michael Miracle, producer of the I Work For Him radio program, the voice of the faith and work movement. Our mission is to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. What does that look like in your workplace? Let's find out right now. Welcome to I Work For Him. We are privileged to be your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're going to bring to you a show today. I think it's going to blow your mind. Christians actually doing what Christians are called to do. When Jesus, now not that we are, I mean, all of us are involved in different things, but connecting our faith to our work, when you actually put your money where your mouth is and do what Jesus said for us to do, minister under the least of these, we found a story today of a guy out of Orlando who lives on Orange Blossom Trail in one of the tougher neighborhoods who God said, I've called a lot of people to this area, but nobody will go. But I know you'll be obedient. And it has been brutal. But God is doing miraculous things. But before we get to who our guest is, Martha has a few things she'd like to say. I do. And so listeners, you know, one of the things that um, we realize is that everybody consumes audio different ways, whether it's on radio, podcast, you like to read, I like you to like eat it my read. USB sticks. Do you? That's kind of weird, Jim. Well, they're, they're, you know, okay, sorry. You just like so, consume them. <laughs> consume them. Um, so I just want to let you know, we have a lot of different forms. We even have the ability on our website because one of our listeners suggested it where if you go to our blog on our website, it will read it to you. So no, it's not in our voice. Um, but if you have trouble reading, it goes um, like, like the, this. It, it reads the print you, is you. too, I'm just ignoring you right now. It does not. Um, if the print is too small or you just have trouble um, or you want to just have somebody read it to you, this is an option. So I just, I'm just pointing out that, you know, God has given so many people the ability to create wonderful technology and we're trying to embrace and use what we can to help our listeners um, get the, get the resources in the way that they can do it. So anyway, go to iworkforhim.com and learn more about how you can consume the audio. Consuming the audio. <laughs> All right. Our guest today, Christian Hedegaard. He's a pastor from Denmark who the Lord said while he was on vacation visiting Mickey in Orlando, the Lord said, I want you to come here with your family. But it was kind of like a call. I don't know. Kind of like what Abraham got the call from God said, I want you to go and live. And Abraham ended up living right outside Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's been hard on Christian and his wife, Karen, and their three boys. And and it's been ridiculously brutal. But the Lord is starting to show how he's bringing flourishing into the families that they're touching here on Orange Blossom Trail. And I can't wait for you to hear that story from Christian Hedegaard. So make sure you check him out. Stay tuned so you can hear his story. This program made possible by a partnership with the God at Work TV show, which you can find God TV on digital satellite but also online at god.tv god.tv that's probably the best way online god.tv today our guest comes with an incredible story and i don't really have a great roll up to it i just want to jump right into it so i want to introduce to you christian hedegaard he comes from all over the world to Orlando, Florida, where God specifically called him and has laid out a ministry for him, but it hasn't been an easy road. Christian Hedegaard, welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you so much. So I, you know, I, I told you, Christian, I was going to ask you this question, and I want to just, you've got quite a story. God brought you here to Orlando on purpose. What did that look like? Because a lot of people come to Orlando to see Mickey. 
Yeah, okay? but that's not why God brought you here. Oh, that's not true. I must confess that I came actually to see Mickey and the doc also. <laughs> Donald? <laughs> yeah. Um, that is just the honest truth. Um, I came here on holidays. Um, we had worked hard and we were tired, so we thought we were gonna we were gonna buy a car and just travel through the U.S. for a couple of months. And of course, we started here with Disney, and that's actually how we landed in Orlando. And um, I went to the pawn shop, bought a GPS used, and I put in car dealership, and I followed this thing as a slave down to Orange Blossom Trail, where we are working today. And at the car dealership, there was a church next door, <laughs> and that church had bullet holes in the windows. And I said to my wife, my goodness, Disney has problems in his backyard. So I saw the prostitutes, and I realized this was a crime-infested area. And I was so shocked because I thought Disney was Orlando. I didn't know that was a downtown Orlando. Mm-hmm. You know, you land in the airport, and you take the shuttle or the, the taxi uh to your hotel, which is in Kissimmee. So I right. thought I didn't know there was a difference between Disney and uh, and Kissimmee and and Orlando. Mm-hmm. So I just followed the GPS downtown, and that's how we ended on Orange Blossom Trail. And on that road trip, you know, I was disconnected from emails and uh, the phone ringing all the time. And I had traveled as an itinerary preacher for so many years, and I was I was really very professional. I had become very professional, and I think I had lost, you know, the ability to hear the voice of God, or at least my program was so set that I didn't have to. But on that road trip, no connections with anybody around the world, and Holy Spirit was very close. Every morning, He woke me up, and I, I was crying every morning in the presence, and I just knew something was about to happen. And one morning, a couple of weeks after we bought the car, um, I woke up in this house on a lake up in North Florida. And I knew Holy Spirit was about to tell me something. And he said, that street where you saw the bullet holes in the church, that street, that place needs help. And I have asked others to do it. They don't want to do it. Uh, I know you're obedient. Mm -hmm. Go home and sell everything you have and come back and start a movement amongst the homeless people and those people that nobody cares for. And home was Denmark. You were a yeah. pastor in Denmark. Yeah, I was. Which wasn't necessarily, I mean, you were a, pa- a successful pastor in Denmark, but there was a significant amount of religious persecution in Denmark. Yeah, um, I grew up, my father was a Pentecostal minister, and uh, I grew up in a Pentecostal home. And I remember being four years old, and the Satanists had broken into the church and desecrated the altar. And, you know, they had um, sacrificed a chicken on the altar and, and blood on the... I remember being a teenager, they tried to burn down the church, and they left a satanic document outside. Mm-hmm. Um, Denmark is full of uh, Satanism and full of um, old Viking uh, sure. uh, religion. So it's pretty much uh, anything outside the Lutheran church is considered a cult. Like Baptists will be considered in the, in the mindset of the Danish people like a cult. Everything outside the Lutheran church is considered a cult. So I grew up, I got beat up in school. Uh, you jokes. got beat up? Yeah, You're because my father like a was... human b- tank. <laughs> no, I actually did not grow till I was a teenager, until I was 15. I was very small. But it didn't matter because when you have the whole class against you, uh, mm. just for being a child of a Pentecostal father and mother. Um, so I grew up hating uh, Christianity, really. I did as much as I could to uh, rebel against, you know, we lived in a village with 700 people. My parents were the only Christians in the village. So, you know, and they were believing in that scripture, friendship with the world is enmity with God. So they couldn't even show up when we had like soccer games and stuff like that. My parents did not interfere with anybody or anything in the village. So we were we were ostracized, you know, from mm. the beginning. 
So um, as we move forward in your story, mm-hmm. I think it's important to, I mean, I'm just hearing, you know, some of these details myself. And so your parents really lived in a, in a state of faith. I mean, where they, they were being obedient to whatever they were called to do in the midst of some pretty hard hard situations for them to allow their family. Well, over there, if you don't say nothing, nobody cares about you. You see the Pentecostal church, the the, the, the free church, the non-denominational churches over there are so small. You know, in a town with 30,000 people, you can have a church with 25 members, you know. Mm-hmm. So nobody really cares about your religion as long as you don't speak out in public. The second you start to, to, to walk in, in, the, in the power of the Holy Spirit, the opposition will, will rise up immediately, first from the religious people, actually the people in your own church, and then afterwards society. So my parents, I mean, I, I remember thinking many times, and I have beautiful parents, but, you know, they were always busy at the church and not busy with us. Mm-hmm. It was like the church was more important than us. So I thought many times, what's the dif- difference between us and Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons? Because um, my parents, I felt like they were serving a building. Mm-hmm. And I know my old dad, he's 86 today. He's a very godly man, a prayerful man. I know one of the things he was sad about was that, you know, they gave the all the years for a building, for, for a religious organization, you know. And, right. you know, he missed out maybe some of the best years of his children's life, you know. Well, it sounds like they missed out some opportunities in their own neighborhood, too. I mean, because they, they, they wouldn't go interact with the neighbors. you got to understand the, the the standard of faith in Denmark is like this. A testimony in a church would be like, I've been at my job now for three years, and I got to tell one of my workmates that I'm a Christian, and everybody would be clapping, wow, you told somebody that you were a Christian? And people would be like, wow, you'd be the hero in the church if you even admitted that you were a believer in school wow. or in church. I mean, I would sit when I grew up, I would sit in leadership meetings and we would discuss what is the goal of the church for the year. And we would like 10 people saved and everybody would be like, no, no, that's way too much, you know, and we would agree on maybe two finally and we would lose three, you know, it was like that. You know, the church in Denmark is the tail and definitely not the head. And those that have faith, they have very little of it. Fear is predominant in the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we grew up in a church like that in Minneapolis. So mm-hmm. I, I understand that. So, so let's move forward to your life here in Orlando. God placed you and your, and your bride, Karen is her name, right? Yeah. You guys and your kids and brought you to Orlando to one of the toughest parts of town. I mean, it's, 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 you know, like you're on the south side of Chicago, but you're on the south side of Orlando yeah. where it's a little rough. This hasn't been an easy transition, but God has placed you in a place that desperately needed Jesus. Yeah. Well, from we got, when we got the call, it took us a year to, you know, clean up stuff and, and settle things in Denmark. And when we came here, we arrived with $200. Didn't know anybody. Um, just, I remember the first homeless man we fed, we saw him outside McDonald's and we said, hello, can we buy you a burger? And that was the end of our budget, you know. We bought him one burger. <laughs> and um, yeah, we didn't know the culture, didn't know the style. I, I had been preaching uh, in the U.S. many times, but, uh, you know, a hit and run with the gospel gone, you don't get to know the people or the culture at all. And um, it was kind of a shock to end up white in a neighborhood that hates your guts just for being white. And I've never known about racism in my life. 
you know, in Denmark there is no racism, or at least there wasn't any racism. So for us to come and and be white in a in a black neighborhood, I I didn't even understand what they were saying. You know, their slangs. I remember one day a prostitute she freaked out on me, and she was cursing me out, and she was talking about my mama. You know, son of you know, and and I didn't understand why she was talking about my mama. She like, <laughs> you want to hear about my dad too? You know, and she was like, no, and she just started laughing and hugged me, and because she thought I was dumb. You know, dumb. <laughs> I was so dumb that I was sweet. And, uh, <laughs> but I think it, it saved me from getting shot. I was going to say that yeah. probably was good that you had didn't know. <laughs> but yeah. Jesus said, "Whatever you do unto the least of these, you've yeah. done unto me." Yes. And God really placed you in a spot. It, it, it's funny. We interviewed somebody a couple of years back who became a Christ follower and started ministering to the homeless, and he goes, "I didn't realize Christians didn't really do that." He said yeah. the Bible said the Bible it, says so, it, so I, I did, did it. it. But I didn't realize Christians didn't really do that. You're in a place where you probably don't have a lot of Christians, brothers and sisters that were there before you that were willing to do it. I mean, most of the people starting churches on Orange Blossom Trail, they don't last long. Uh, the people that I knew when we came, they're not there anymore. They gave up because it was simply too hopeless or too tough and too little money. As, as a matter of fact, all my pastor's friends, they said to me, um, you are starting in the wrong place. You need to start in a rich neighborhood and work you towards yourself towards the poor neighborhood. You start a church in a rich neighborhood, and then when you have money, you start outreaching to the mm. poor neighborhood. And I said, yeah, that really sounds right, but it wasn't what God told me. Mm. So I realized that I had had to take those people that God would give us uh, in the poor neighborhood and make them rich. And that's exactly what has happened. Our poor people are becoming wealthy. Uh, everybody has businesses and companies now. And God is really try- really prospering uh, the church now. So God has allowed you to help people flourish inside and out in your neighborhood. Absolutely. Um, when I came, we were feeding in a parking lot um, twice a week. And they were stabbing each other. They were beating each other up. I think our, our, our church, our first services was were there, right there in the parking lot. And I think my record for a Sunday morning while I was preaching was fire department and police three times while I was preaching. You know, I used to have to step out of my own sermon and walk over to people that were fighting and said, sit down, you can't fight right now. You're in church. And then they looked around, they saw a hundred people sitting under the tents and, and, and they were like, sorry, Pastor, sorry, Pastor. They would sit down, get saved eventually, some of them. Wow. I mean, I remember one Sunday morning, I said, amen. And the guy literally sitting in front of me like this close as you are now. Uh-huh. Uh, he was cut open. His whole face was cut open and blood was just gushing out. And he didn't even know what hit him. And I just said, amen. I didn't even know what hit me neither. I don't know even what happened. It went so fast. That was just an ordinary Sunday morning out in the street when we started. And um, and, and things started changing. You know, God gave us a thrift shop. And in that thrift shop, God God showed me the thrift shop. You got to start it. That's the community outreach. Uh, it's your, it, that's how, you, is how you're going to get to know the community. And it was right in front of Parliament House which is the first gay hotel in the world. So it's kind of Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. You know, people used to run in to hide for the bullets, you know, outside, inside our thrift shop. And uh, that's how we got to know our community. And God showed me that the leaders of the coming church would get saved in that thrift shop. And all my leaders today were um, clients or donors that came to the thrift shop. All wow. my pastors came through that thrift shop. People got healed from 
you know, crazy stuff. And, and that just became a testimony. They started ministering with us, you know. So that's how the church came out of the thrift shop. So let me ask a question because I'm, I'm one who always tries to picture, like, how did you go from not understanding what this woman was yelling at you to now having um, a place in that community? So how did you start to build relationships so that they knew that you really, I, I, I can imagine um, but I want to hear from you. What what did God tell you to do to get to know the people in the neighborhood? Feed them. Okay. And um, feed them. And um, not just food. Feed them. But you feed them. So you're talking about feed them first. Yeah, but you know what? Just food, because these people here are over evangelized. Mm. Every five or one C three with respect for itself is down on Orange Blossom Trail at least once a year. Maybe around uh, Thanksgiving, they throw out turkeys to them like they are monkeys in a zoo. And and you will even find people after uh, you know Thanksgiving, you will find homeless people out in the street with two, three, four turkeys. You're hearing a story of a man who the Lord said, go and feed the least of these, go and minister to the least of these, go in a place where you're not going to be loved, go to a place that you're not going to be welcome. And I want to touch the lives of those people who are hurting and who desperately need me. That call is to all of us. Christian Hedegaard, you have been put in a place that's a, that for most Christians would say, I don't know that I could do that. But yet we were all called to do this. So I know you have a scripture you want to share with us, but I also want to make sure that we talk to people. Your workplace, your mission, your workplace is your mission field on Orange Blossom Trail in a, in a rough area. Talk to us about how we can... The people listening from all across the country and around the world, how do they get started ministering to the least of these? Just walk outside your door and open your eyes. The streets are full of need and full of people in, 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 in great pain. So it's, it's really very simple. People say, oh, you have a calling for these people. No, I don't. I have a calling for everyone. Mm. But I also knew that if I want the city, the keys to the city of Orlando, I need to solve some of the problems of Orlando. So I knew the best place was, was to stay there and crack the problem with poverty and homelessness. Um, that would be if I want the attention of the city or if I want to shake something in this region, we need to solve one of the, 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 the major problems that, that, that this area has. Uh, Central Florida has a horrible problem with the trafficking and homelessness, mm-hmm. and um, and if you want if you want to accomplish something, you gotta well solve some problems. So I believe that the key to to the society's attention and the key to those people downtown that they start open their hearts up for the gospel is when they see because you know everybody wants to help somebody, but mm-hmm. most people talk about it, they don't do it or they give some money away yeah, for right. Thanksgiving or they share right. a couple of turkeys, you know, and then they feel good for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. But truth is, the richest country in the world, there's so much need and there is so many people that are depending on the Christians that they are being revealed, you know, that they are coming out. You know, I want to say something to our listeners right now, because just what you um, said before the end, the, our last break, that you find homeless people with two and three turkeys rotting in the mm. street. And I just want to... Um, Make that real to people that, you know, if, if God calls us to serve, and there are people that need turkeys, but let's be relevant to the need that God's showing you. But where does a homeless and person that's my, cook a turkey? Right. So, so that's really not going to answer a- the problem. Answering your question. Uh, now, for Thanksgiving, we don't do anything because mm-hmm. everybody else is doing the job, mm-hmm. right? And we, we, that's when we take off. You know, that's when we actually relax <laughs> because we are feeding sure. the rest of the year when nobody's right. there. Um when 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 we came, I could not see how God could reach these people because some of them are so far out, you know. Mm-hmm. And God showed me that they were 
over preached to. I mean, every one of them had had the pick and check and taken dozens dozens of times by five hundred one c threes that want to score, you know, souls for the and and then get the money afterwards because they have a five hundred one c three. They used them, you know. Even me, I got taking my pictures one time i was standing there with my son and this ministry came rolling in and took pictures all over the parking lot you know of my crowd and they said can we have your picture too i said ma'am i'm not homeless they said well you 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 look so nice and next thing i could see myself on a homepage, you know on a website uh where they are raising money you wanted to share a scripture and we're almost out of time so go yeah it says much food is in the fellow ground of the poor and for lack of justice there is waste god showed me that all these poor people they have many riches in that fellow ground what has made the ground fellow is their upbringing many of these people have been raped molested you know in horrible ways abused and god showed me that repentance and 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 forgiveness is the key that can actually break the fellow ground and with that in mind we started training people we started teaching people about forgiveness and and repentance mm-hmm. and this has actually made the f- the people with fellow ground on orange blossom trail become valuable resources and now you know what the greatest giver i've ever seen are people that came in you know from the street or that came in you know through the thrift store today we have people that give tens of thousands of dollars and they they're all business owners now wow and their lives were touched because yeah. you were willing to love them when and we were only starting. Right. It's only really starting to become fun now because the, the bad <laughs> stuff, most of the bad stuff is over. Christian Hedegaard, thanks for sharing just a piece of your story. Check him out online, powerhousechurchflorida.com, powerhousechurchflorida.com. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers, our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work for him. him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him podcast with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Please visit iworkforhim.com to learn more about connecting your faith and work, to join the I Work For Him nation, or subscribe to our weekly blog. You can also follow us on social media at iworkforhim to stay up to date and meet our guests. If today's message spoke to you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review will launch more workplace missionaries across America. That's at iworkforhim and online iworkforhim.com. I work the number four, him.com.